Are you guys excited for the last session of the retreat? Man, that was so weak. Are you guys excited for the last session of the retreat? Yeah. Yeah. So how has this retreat been? It's been awesome, huh? I heard this morning that you guys started off with seminars. I heard there was a lot of seminars to freedom, freedom to dream, freedom from the past, freedom to worship. And I heard a lot of powerful things that happened in those seminars. So can we just give it up for all of the seminar speakers? Yeah, that's been, uh, thank you so much for (laughs) opening up my water. Thank you. (laughs) And all of the seminar speakers. (laughs) Um, I also really enjoyed the game time. The game time was so fun. I mean, I was only there for the chance, but some of y'all are ridiculous. (laughs) Can I just say that? It was was fully enjoyable watching you guys. Uh, Fully enjoyable watching the videos of the stockings. Some of y'all are cute in that stocking. So, oh my goodness. But all in all, I've been, I've been so, uh, I've been having so much fun being here at Emmaus with you guys. Uh, last night, I got probably one of the worst sleeps of my night. I mean, it was terrible. But the first thought I had when I woke up was, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm so happy to be with Emmaus. So I just want to say that to you guys. I know I didn't have a chance to, uh, you know, have deep conversations with a lot of you guys. But I just want to say I'm so happy to be with you. And I'm so happy to spend this weekend with you. Uh, So I hope you guys feel the same way. And I'm excited to conclude the retreat for this weekend. Our theme is freedom to be. Everyone say freedom to be. And it comes from Galatians 5.1 where it says, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. And last night I concentrated on the first part of the verse. Christ has set us free to live a free life. And I talked about how we are free to be real. Free to be honest, free to be authentic, free to be vulnerable. But tonight, I actually want to concentrate on the second half of this verse, where it says, take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. So the title for tonight's sermon is, Free to be Dangerous. Free to be Dangerous. Tonight, I want to talk to you out of a story about a man that lived a dangerous life. He lived a life on the edge. I mean, it wasn't boring at all. In fact, his life was filled with constant excitement, adventure. Why? Because this man lived in a state of freedom. So turn with me to Daniel 6. Daniel 6. He is the man that lived a dangerous life. And we're going to read this passage together. So keep your Bible open there. And let me start us off with a word of prayer. Daniel 6. Once you're there, you guys can close your eyes. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the work that you have done, starting from yesterday all the way through this morning session to worship, to the game time. God, we pray and we ask for more. We ask, God, for more of a revelation of who you are. And we pray that as we have a revelation of Christ, 
that we will have a boldness and a courage to live a free life and to stand firm in that freedom. So, Lord, we lift our eyes up to you. We ask, God, that you will lead us in this life to live a dangerous, dangerous in you, not dangerous in foolishness, but dangerous in you so that we can live a life glorifying you. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. So when I look back and think about a time where I, I, I mean, if you guys know a little bit about me, I love going on adventures. I love being spontaneous. I love the outdoors. I love like doing exciting things. So there was a time uh, when I lived in Pusan for a couple of years, me and my friend, we decided to go on a camping trip. And my friend, I mean, he was this uh, guy from Minnesota. He was, he was like, he loved the outdoors a little too much, okay? Uh, He was big, like big, like muscular, like he loved everything about the outdoors. I picked him because I knew it was going to be fun, right? So me and him and a different um, of our group of friends, we decided to go to this place called Koje Island, uh, which is a little south of Busan. It's beautiful. If you guys haven't been there, I encourage you guys to go. And we took this weekend to to go camping on this Koje Island. It's a a beach area. So when we got there, we set up our camp. Um, It was exciting. And afterwards, we set up our food. And And we decide to take, you know, a couple laps around at the beach. So we're like swimming in the water. And as I'm swimming, I see my friend. His name is Noble. I see Noble uh, making something like on the shore. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, he's taking wood and like just kind of like putting it here. And he's like making something. And I'm like, what the, you know, but whatever. I'm swimming. So I'm having such a good time. Two hours later, I look back and he made, no joke, a raft. (laughs) Like a raft. And I saw this and I was like, how did you make a raft in two hours? Like, I'm just swimming. Why are you making a raft? Like, and he put it on, uh, in the beach, like in the water and it legit, like it floated. And I was like, am I on survivor? Like, why is it floating? And it's so legit. So I was like, okay. And he, he decided like, Hey guys, let's go on the raft. And there's this Island in this distance. And he was like, let's go, uh, take this raft and go to the Island. And looking at it just with our eyes, it's, it's close enough, but I knew of course that it was going to take a while, but of course, you know, me, I love adventure. I love being spontaneous. I was like, yeah, let's do it, right? So a group of us, we get onto the raft, and he had made, um, like, he put, took a plank of wood and then, like, a stick and then tied it together with shoelaces so that we can kind of use it as a paddle. Uh, so we took that, and we're paddling across uh, the ocean, okay, to get to this island. And we're going there, and it's, like, like 20 minutes, and I look back, and the shore's right there. <laughs> Like, we could not get off the tide, right? It was so hard. But eventually, the we're like, we're committed. You know, we're going to do this. So we keep going. And an hour later, we actually reach the island that we were looking at. It's pretty impressive, right? So we get there. And I could tell this island, I mean, no one has ever been there. You step, and then it's like you sink in because, like, all these leaves accumulated over the years. Um, he said he's done this before. So I was like, okay. I was like, you've been on this island before? He's like, yeah. I made this exact raft before. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you weirdo. But anyways, he's like, let's go. So um, he's like, Anna, I want to take you to the top of the mountain because there's something I want to show you. I'm like, okay, like, 
what are you going to show me? He's like, it's a surprise, right? So we're like, okay. So we're like hiking, like in, in like our swimsuit, right? So we're like going up on this mountain, me and Noble and a group of people. And we're going up there. And then eventually like I'm in, in my flip-flops and like, you know, swimsuit. And I'm feeling like uncomfortable. And it's like 30 minutes of hiking. And, you know, mind you, we've already paddled for an hour. So I'm kind of tired. And as we're going there, um, he's like, we've, we're finally here. I'm like, wow, we're here, we're on the top? He's like, yeah. I was like, what is it? What did you want to show me? And he was like, this is it. I'm like, what is it? <laughs> and he's like, look at this tree. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> this is a 500-year-old tree. Isn't it great? And I was like, Did we really come up to the top of this mountain to look at a tree? And he was like, no, Anna, I have another thing I want to show you. And I was like, okay, you better. He said, come on, let's go. I was like, okay. So we climb a little bit more. And then he was like, this is it. We're here. I'm like, what is it? And he's like, it's another tree. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, it's a 600-year-old tree. And at that moment, I had these, th- these thoughts of, he was, cl- you know, standing next to the edge of the, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But he was like, hey, let's jump off this mountain. I'm like, what? You're crazy. And he was like, no, let's jump off. So he legit jumped off the mountain and into the ocean. I'm like, I'm going to go down. I'm going to climb down. So, of course, as I'm climbing down, I get bit by all of these mosquitoes. I'm in my bikini, you know, and da, 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 I'm getting bit. And by the time we get to our raft, I'm miserable. And he's like, come on, let's go. And I was like, okay. And as we're going, I'm like, you know what, God? Like, I love this adventure and stuff, but I'm so tired. I just want to go to bed, right? And I was like, I will be happy as long as the sun doesn't set as we're crossing the ocean. And as we're going, the sun slowly starts going down and the next thing i know it's pitch black and it's dark and we're in the middle of the ocean and he's like taking the raft he's like come on guys jump into the ocean and pull the raft with me i'm like no and he gets bit by this jellyfish as he's he's like get me out of here i'm like you on your own buddy so finally, we, like, we somehow make it back to our camp, and I am spent. I'm exhausted. This is not the type of danger and excitement that I've, I was asking for. It's a little too much. Uh, but as we're sleeping, you go, we go to sleep, and then I wake up to, like, rain falling on my face, and I'm like, what is this? And we end up being poured out, so we have to pack up everything. And as we're heading back home, all of a sudden, my back starts hurting. And the next, uh, f- like, two weeks my back, no joke, it like went like this. And I could not straighten my back. So for I, I, I would go down the stairs like, like this. I would teach my students like this. And I would go to sleep like this. And then I would brush my teeth like this. Like I could not straighten my back. So I had to see my doctor, get my spine checked up, all of these things. It was just in a 45-degree angle. And I spent the rest of my time hating that guy named Noble. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that was the, the most adventurous, almost most dangerous type of trip that we went. I went on. It was... It was exciting, but it was a little too much. 
And, you know, sometimes as we're living in this life called Christianity, we are meant to live an exciting, dangerous, adventurous life. You know, in this uh, verse where our theme comes from in Galatians 5.1, it talks about how Christ set us free because we need to know that it is not our doing. It is not anything that we did. It's something that Christ did. And because he did it, we are able to be free. And Apostle Paul begins off this verse by saying, Christ has set you free to live a free life. So that's what I was talking about all last night. Christ has set us free. Not by our own power, not by our own might, but it is Christ that did it. And it's because of Christ and only in Christ that we have freedom. And as he continues to write this verse, he then later on says, You need to stand firm. Stand firm and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. He's able to tell us this because he's saying, first, Christ set us free. And now, because you know Christ set you free, you're able to stand firm. He's telling us to never submit again to the yoke of slavery. And why does he tell us this? Because we have the danger of Losing our freedom. He's saying, do not submit again to the yoke of slavery because we are in the danger of submitting again to slavery. You see, there's a danger of losing our freedom if we do not exercise our freedom. Now, I'm not talking about salvation because you can never lose your salvation, but I'm talking about freedom. Being able to live free, completely free, walking in radical love, radical peace, radical joy. And you can lose your freedom and end up walking in slavery if we do not constantly exercise it. You see, Apostle Paul was speaking to the the churches of Galatia in this letter. And he was warning them of the dangers of losing their freedom. Because when Apostle Paul first went to this region of Galatia, he first preached the gospel of Christ. Many people believed. They accepted Christ. They began to build up churches. And then after he left, false, church, false teachers came in and they began to spread a different gospel. And they began to say, hey, you, can, you can't just believe in Christ. You need to get circumcised. Hey, you can't just believe in Christ. You need to obey the law, the Torah. So they began to preach to them a different gospel. So when Apostle Paul heard this, he wrote them a letter saying, Hey, remember the freedom that Christ has given you. Christ died so that you can be free. So you need to stand firm. You are right now in the danger of losing your freedom if you do not exercise it. So we need to exercise our freedom. Remember, slavery doesn't necessarily mean you're physically in chains. You can be physically free, but mentally in chains. If you're not free up here, you're not free at all. So the slavery I'm talking about is in your mindset. We are meant to live in a constant state of freedom in our action, our lifestyle. It will show and demonstrate the truth That we live in freedom. But the thing is, as we live our lives, we get sidetracked, we get distracted because we lose our focus. And our focus is Christ and the freedom that he gave us. But whenever we lose our focus, we end up again in the yoke of slavery. 
So today I want to talk to you about two ways in which we need to exercise our freedom. Because as we go out of here in this retreat, you guys are going to face trials of different things. You're going to face different opposition. You're going to feel different temptations. We're all going to face it. You, me, all of us. And as we come into just facing the obstacles of daily life, we need to stand firm. We need to take our stand. And we need to begin to exercise our freedom. That is the only way we do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So I want to talk about Daniel and how he was able to stand firm and exercise his freedom in these two ways. So in the life of Daniel, we have uh, this man. He's originally a Jew. He was taken captive to serve a pagan king. And because he had the favor of the Lord upon him, he grew in skill. He grew in influence. He served many different kinds of kings. But in this chapter, chapter 6, he serves a king specifically named Darius. And Darius, his, he's historically known for his organization of government. I mean, he, he divided up governors to go into 120 different regions. And over the governors, he set three people in place. And these three people, they were the ones over everyone else. And he was the one that kind of spoke to these three people. So these three people, they were high in position. And the, one of the three was Daniel. So look with me to verse, at verse 3. Follow along with me as I read. It says, Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, which is governors, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Wow, that's amazing. He was so good, so excellent, that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Daniel was so good at what he did. So faithful in his work, so excellent in his task, that the only way they could find fault in him was if they attacked his relationship with God. Does that ever happen to you? Whenever people are opposing you or against you and they want to take you down, do they find you so blameless and so faultless that the only thing they can do in order to bring you down is to attack your relationship with God? Now, I don't say this to condemn you or to make you feel guilty, but I say this so that we can check ourselves. This is our model. Am I living in such a way that demonstrates this type of excellence? You know, so many times we as believers, we get so stuck in our own sin pattern. We, we're getting out of this bondage and that bondage that when our life is, is just in this cycle of bondage after bondage, going from retreat to retreat, we get stuck when actually we're meant, to, we're meant to live from glory to glory. Our end goal isn't supposed to being free from that sin to that sin, but we're actually meant to experience truth after truth, revelation after revelation. This is the model that we're supposed to go for. Man, you know what's so refreshing? When believers come into the retreat and they're already 
on fire for God. They're already like, you know what? I'm free. I already know what freedom is, but I want more. I came to this retreat not to break free from my own sin pattern, but to get more freedom. That's so refreshing. And if that's you, come talk to me so that we can be encouraged together. And if that's not you, that's all right. I told you last night that Jesus will meet you where you're at. But I'm saying this so that we as believers don't get disillusioned. The life of being a believer in God isn't defeat after defeat, prayer after prayer, prophetic word after prophetic word. But it's from victory to victory to victory to victory. It's about experiencing the ever-increasing glory of God. Proverbs says it like this. The path of the righteous, which is you and me, the path of the righteous is like the morning sun shining ever brighter till the full light of day. This is our portion. This is our inheritance. You know, I believe that there is one thing that Daniel did in order to live in in such an excellent spirit, in order to live in freedom, in order to exercise his freedom, and it's this. This is the first point, how to exercise your freedom. Is number one, do not listen to your insecurities. Do not listen to your insecurities. Daniel did not listen to his insecurities. And how do I know this? Because he was a man known to have an excellent spirit. I mean, this is one of the few men that the Bible writes, Daniel was a man of excellent spirit. That is a great quality to have. I want people to put on my tomb, Anna Corpening was a woman of excellent spirit. I mean, that's a great description, right? That is so awesome. So when he's walking in excellent spirit, you know that he did not listen to any other words that people threw at him. Instead, he listened to the words that only God spoke of him. And you can bet that he cultivated the spirit of excellence because he was confident in who he was in God. So you see, when you're confident in who you are and who God says that you are, there is nothing that can stop you. There is nothing that can block your way. And I know a lot of times we feel insecure. We might feel insecure because of the words and the actions that other people put on us. We might feel insecure because of the words that our parents have spoken over us. Certain things that happen in our lives as we were growing up, these things kind of determine our identity. Lies are kind of built up. And I know these things are huge. I'm not diminishing that. I'm not belittling that. But I feel like the biggest insecurity, the source of biggest insecurity is actually not other people, but ourselves. Ourselves. If we really silence other people, but we're not able to silence what we speak over ourselves, we're going to be enslaved to our own insecurities. I think it's our own self-limitation, our own self-doubt that cuts us down and hinder us from moving forward. But Daniel, Daniel was a man that lived in freedom. And he lived in a constant state of freedom. And because of that, he was dangerous. He was so dangerous 
because he only listened to what God said about him. There's so many things about Daniel that he could have cut himself down with. Daniel was actually an exile. He got taken from his home country, got moved over to a foreign land so that he can serve a pagan king. He was a eunuch in the, in the court of, of the king. Eunuch. You guys, it sucks to be a eunuch, okay? I mean, there are so many ways that he could have disqualified himself, cut him down. You're not worthy. You're not a man. You're not strong. You're not, you're not the person that people think that you are. He could have said all of these things about himself. What am I doing in this foreign country? What am I doing in Korea? Why am I still here? Well, it's been four years, but what am I doing here? I mean, there's so many things that you could say to yourself to cut yourself down. But the only way Daniel was able to cultivate an excellent spirit was because he silenced his insecurities. He silenced the words, the negativity, the harshness that he spoke over himself. And it was because of this excellent spirit that made him dangerous to other people. He might have been physically a slave to the king, but his mind was free because it was rooted in God. And he was so free so secure in who he was that he became a threat to other people. And that's why other people got jealous of him and they wanted to cut him down. Don't listen to your insecurity because if you silence your insecurity, that's when you become dangerous. That's when you become so free. Continue on with the story of Daniel. The people that are against him, they come together and they decide to come up with a decree in order to eliminate him. Now, remember, they're so jealous of him because he has so much influence. He's skilled. He's favored by the king. So they want to get rid of him. And in order to do that, they realize the only way they can do that is to attack his relationship with God. So they say to the king, king, we have this great idea. You are such a good king. You're so handsome. You're so powerful. You're so smart. And what I think is the best thing for you is that everyone in your kingdom should only worship you for 30 days. The king's like, huh, that's a good idea. You know what? I am pretty smart. I am pretty capable. You know what? Let's, let's make that decree. So they signed this decree uh, forbidding any person to worship any other gods, any other man for 30 days because they knew They knew that Daniel always prayed three times a day. They knew that he prayed every morning, every afternoon, every evening. And because they knew this, they're like, we got him. We got him. This is our way to get rid of him. Look with me to verse, verse 10. It says, when Daniel knew that the document has been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. It it, it begins by saying, when Daniel knew, not before the document was signed, but when Daniel knew the document was signed, he purposely went Inside of his closet where people couldn't see him? No, he purposely went over to the window where everyone could see him and continuously prayed 
before God. What is a second way that you can exercise your freedom? Don't rely on your circumstance. Don't rely on your circumstance. Do not rely on what you see with your eyes. Do you know what Daniel's circumstance was? His circumstance was not only going to jail, but it was possibly him being killed. He knew that if he went over to that window, he got on his knees and he started worshiping his God. Like every time he did, he knew that he was going to lose his life. But did that intimidate him? Did that hinder him? No. He didn't look at his circumstance. He didn't look at what he saw, what he knew, what made sense, what is common sense in a way. But rather, he committed to living out his relationship with God. Listen, some of you guys are frustrated. Some of you guys are frustrated because you're relying too much on your circumstance. You're angry because life isn't turning out the way that you wanted. You're bitter because you feel like you spent too much time giving time to God. You're confused because you still don't know what to do with your life. And that's all good. You can go through that. But you're relying too much on what you see in your circumstance. But we are not people that determine our lives but what we see right here. We are people of faith. We cannot let our lives be determined by our emotions, how we feel, what we feel like is right, what we see is common sense. We cannot live our lives like that because we come alive when we find direction and confidence in what the Lord tells us. You might say like, no, I don't. I don't come alive. But really, when God speaks to you, remember that moment. When you heard God's voice for the first time, remember the excitement that you felt. Remember the confidence that just bursted out of you. Remember the surety that you felt. This is my life. This is my future. There is no greater joy than hearing the voice of the Lord. We are not people that just see with our eyes right here. But we're people of faith. And you might say, PA, that's so easy for you. Your life is set. You already know what you're doing with your life. You're married. It's so easy for you to say, but trust me, guys, I have been there. I have been there. When I turned 25 in Korea, I got what a lot of you guys would call quarter life crisis. (laughs) I'm not 50 yet, but, you know, as soon as I turned 25, Like, I just felt this, like, depression. I turned 25. What am I doing here? I'm 25. I'm still living in Korea. In fact, in that time, I was living in a city called Busan. And Busan, you guys, was like country, like the Shigor, okay? It was, I love that city, but when I was there, I had a hard time, okay? So I felt like I was in the country, in the boonies, I mean, I graduated with a master's in elementary education, but the job that I had was to go into my workplace, press a space bar button on the computer for four hours, and then I would leave. Like, that was my job. 
press a button so they can listen to a CD. Put pause. Did you get that? Pause. Write it down. Pause. New page. Pause. Like that was my life. For four hours, I have a master's in elementary education, okay? I am qualified, but I'm pressing the spacebar button so that they can listen to a CD. And I'm 25, and I'm like, what am I doing here? There is no hope for me. And I'm sitting there, I'm looking on Facebook. Sometimes Facebook, you should not look at Facebook. Sometimes you just need to cut that out, all right? So I'm looking on Facebook, and I'm looking at all my friends that's like, I don't know why that day I remember specifically I'm seeing so many pictures of everyone going, oh my gosh, I'm married. I said yes. Like she said yes. Hashtag we're getting married. And I'm like scrolling through and I'm so bitter. I'm so angry and I'm looking at my own life and I'm like, there's no one. There's no guy. No one that catches, oh my goodness, I'm going to be a a celibate for the rest of my life. I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. I'm never going to get married. I'm thinking all of these terrible thoughts, okay? So I felt, I felt down. I felt low. I felt insecure. And I, I was letting my emotions be run by my circumstance. Right before I I went to Busan uh, to do a church plant for New Philly, I was... I was uh, in this mission team, and the team preacher had me come up and, like, take the mic and share my testimony. And as soon as I took the mic, now, you know, this is, this is me before I had any title, any type of, I was just like a, you know, person that comes in to New Philly, whatever. There wasn't anything, like, standing out about me, whatever. But as soon as I took the mic, I felt like God said to me, Anna, get used to this. That's the first time God spoke anything about my calling. And I, I remember I was holding the mic and he said, Anna, get used to this. And I was like, <gasps> and I almost dropped it because I was like, no, Lord, I don't want to get used to this. <laughs> Funny now, right? But when I got that word, even though I was nervous, I was also excited because I was like, does that have something to do with my calling? Like, you know, maybe, maybe, because I'm going on this church plan. So I'm, as I'm going on this church plan, I'm like, yeah, like God said, get used to the mic. So maybe like they will give me opportunities to speak with the mic. Like, yeah, fire for the Lord, right? And that first year of doing a church plan, I never got to hold the mic. You know what I got to hold instead for a year? I got to hold a mop. A mop. They put me in the back where no one could see me. They put me, especially like in the way back where the bathrooms were. And I was just scrubbing that toilet. And there was a time I was like, why am I doing this, Lord? I'm 25. (laughs) My life sucks. And I was looking at my situation and circumstance and being so depressed because I was so frustrated that God was not telling me my calling. I thought you were so faithful, God, that you're going to reveal to me what my calling is. And I know that a lot of you guys, you feel frustrated too. And I know some of you guys feel angry. Maybe like me, because I was giving everything I had to the church. Some of you guys feel confused, maybe. So I'm like, God, I thought I was supposed to know by now. But Daniel did not look at his circumstance. If he looked at his circumstance, he would have been powerless. He would have been ordinary, just like any other person. But when you look to God with eyes of faith, 
even if your circumstance does not tell you where you want to be, you will have this type of confidence, believing and trusting that, you know what, God, even if I don't see everything I want to see right now, I believe in you. I trust in you. I put my confidence in you. Daniel began to put his trust not in the decree that went out, but rather in his love for the Lord. Do you know what? Do you know where that ended him? It didn't end him in people honoring him and and worshiping him. No, it actually ended him in the lion's den. And we know this story. Because he did the right thing. Because he did something that was of faith. It actually ended him in the lion's den. Isn't that so weird? Like, wait, 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 God. That doesn't match up. I said yes to you. I thought you're supposed to reward me. I thought you said you're going to give me a good inheritance. I thought you said I have boundary lines and pleasant places. I said yes to you. Why am I with the lions? But sometimes God puts us in a powerless situation to reveal the greatest power, which is God himself. God wants to write an exciting story in your life. And he cannot do that by telling you step by step everything you want to know. He cannot do that by saying, hey, don't worry. I see that dream inside of you. You want to be a singer? In a year, you'll become the most famous person. I don't know about you, but I will be heck bored. Okay, a year's up. Oh, I'm famous now. Oh, yeah. Let's say, like, someone walks through the door, this man you're going to marry. I would be so turned off if a guy came up to me and said, hey, the Lord told me that we're going to get married, girl. I would slap him so fast. <laughs> like, boy, you better romance me. You better pursue my heart. I ain't coming with you. You know, like, that's boring. That's mundane. That's not exciting. And God doesn't want to write a boring, mundane, ordinary story in your life. He wants you to live an extraordinary life. He wants you to live a life that's so fulfilling, so sweet, so full of power. But you've got to be okay with not knowing everything. And sometimes your answer to faith might end, put you in the lion's den. But in a time of our greatest weakness, that's when true strength shows up. And it's the strength, it's the power of Jesus. It says in Galatians 5 that Christ has set us free to live a free life. And it says all throughout scripture that Christ died so that he can give us freedom. When Christ died, He died. He forfeited everything. And it looked to the world that he ended up in the lion's den. It looked to the world that he went below. It looked to the world that he lost all control, all power, all hope. But actually.
actually three days later, he rose again from the dead. He showed the greatest strength. That's the greatest testimony. And we need to do the same. If we want Christ's freedom, we can't just come up here and say, God, give us freedom. That's right. I take it. Christ died. And then he rose again. But let's not ignore the first step, guys. Christ died. And sometimes, most of the time, 100% of the time, God calls us to die to ourselves, to our own desires, our own flesh, our own dreams. And I'm not saying like he's taking away everything. No, he wants to see our faith. Are you ready to die to yourself? Because as you die, you will experience the greatest power. God doesn't ask for partial death. You know, when we die to ourselves, like, kind of, that that never works. (laughs) Like, someone comes and kind of kills you. No, it's like a zero to a hundred. Like, you're either dead or you're living. So when Christ commands us, die to yourself, he's not saying kind of die. A little bit die. Hang on a little bit. No, he's saying die to yourself. And when you die to yourself, that is the way you will experience a hundred percent of my power. A lot of times we try to partially die and we say, you know what, God, I'll give you, I'll give you my heart, but you can't have my studies. God, I'll give you my studies, but you can't have my friends. I still want to do what I want to do with them. God, you can have my, my friends, but you can't have my family. God, you can have my family, but you can't have my dream. We partially die. And we start negotiating with God. But the thing is, when you start negotiating with God, you are not actually negotiating with God. You're negotiating with Satan. God never says in scripture, hey, give me partial death. Hey, give me part of you. Hey, give me half of your heart. He never commands that. But if you look in Matthew, when Satan comes before Jesus and says, hey, come, give me your worship and I'll give you bread. Jesus says, no. Satan goes, hey, give me your bread and give me your worship. No, he starts negotiating. Satan is the great negotiator. But we're never supposed to negotiate with Satan. You think you're negotiating with God? You're negotiating with Satan. God comes for 100% of our heart. And it says in Isaiah, when God's spirit came in power, Isaiah was so overcome by the love of God that he could not help but respond, say, here I am, God, send me. When God's spirit touches you in such love and in such power, our response is never, God, have some of me. No, our response is, God, have all of me. I love you so much. Have all of me. Have my time. Have my youth. Have my dreams. 
and as we begin to give all to God, this is when we know we're walking in true freedom. And that is what the devil is scared of, that you will give all to God. Because he knows that when you give all to God and you start confessing with your mouth, Jesus, you're the only living God. You're my greatest desire. I love you. And I long to worship you. You're the Messiah. You're the Savior of the world. When you start confessing that out of the deep love of your heart, that's what makes you dangerous. That's what makes you dangerous. Come on, let's close our eyes.